A pastor tells a story of waiting to board a plane one day when a stranger overhears him mention that he is a chaplain. And he shares how this stranger began to describe to him his life before he met Christ, how it was marked by sin and self-absorption, but then he met Jesus and things changed. This pastor goes on to describe, though, how he listened to this man with great interest as this man gave him a list of changes he has made to his life and all the good things that he had done. But then the pastor said that because everything this man told him was about his busyness for God and not his fellowship with God, he wasn't surprised when the gentleman turned to him and said, frankly, chaplain, I thought I'd feel better about myself by now. The pastor then shared his advice to this man. Slow down and invest yourself in knowing God. Let him in his word reveal himself to you. You see, the story of this man's experience told by this pastor is really a common experience for many of us as believers. And it illustrates the truth found in our passage today. Now, there are moments as a preacher when you come to a passage in the Bible that causes an extra amount of wrestling with your own heart before being anywhere near ready to preach that to others. And our story today in Luke 10, 38 through 42, has been one of those passages for me. And I say that to acknowledge from the beginning that what I am proclaiming to you this morning is something I have been preaching to myself over and over all week. And it's something I am proclaiming again to myself today. So let's begin just by reading our story together in Luke 10, 38 through 42. And now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In this section of Luke's gospel, he turns our attention to the contrasting actions of Martha and Mary. And what we see is a contrast between these two women, who are two disciples of Christ. Two disciples that John eleven five 5 tells us were loved by Jesus. So in this short story, what we are meant to do is focus our attention on these women and this interaction they have with Jesus, where Luke contrasts their actions toward Jesus in order to highlight an important truth for us to take away. And so what I want to do to start with is just walk through the portraits Luke gives of these women and then at the end, draw out the truths that we see from them. And I also believe that this story is placed intentionally here in Luke's gospel to bring those truths to our minds in light of everything that we have been studying up to this point. And I'll show this as we go along through the passage. 
Starting in verse 38, we see that Martha desired to provide for Jesus. Look there again with me. Luke records, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So Jesus has been traveling along the road to Jerusalem and his disciples are with him and he comes to a village and Luke points out how a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now we're meant to see that Martha is taking the initiative here to do this herself. She goes to Jesus and she says, come to my house. I just think for a moment about what that meant. Jesus is no longer traveling alone, but he had his disciples with him. So to invite him into your house meant that you were inviting at least 12 disciples and possibly many others. And to invite someone into your house means that you would provide for them while they were there, possibly washing their feet, cooking a meal for them, and ensuring that they were able to rest while they were with you. And not only this, but it was probably starting to get a little dangerous to entertain Jesus at this point in time in his ministry. And I want you to see that Martha took the initiative to do this. And she did so with no regard to the cost it would be for the sake of caring for Christ. She would have easily been mentioned among the women that Luke mentioned at the beginning of chapter 8 who provided for the disciples out of their own means. And I even think her act of service here can be linked in a way to a love for your neighbor that we saw Jesus commend in the passage before this. But then Luke introduces a completely different action by Mary in verse 39. Look there again. And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Mary is described as one who chose instead to receive from Jesus. She sat at the Lord's feet and she listened to Jesus. Now the concept of sitting at one's feet in the original reader's mind was unmistakable. She was choosing the place of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the idea is that when Jesus arrived into this house, Mary chose to sit at his feet and continually listen to him. Now, I think we should pause here, and we should acknowledge that both women are seeking to honor Christ in this story. Yet it becomes clear that they're taking a different approach to how to do this. Martha seeks to serve. Mary seeks to receive. And so what we see next is Luke begin to bring out the contrast of these two approaches. And he first shows at the beginning of verse 40 that Martha was distracted. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha sought to serve Christ, but she became distracted. The idea in the original language is that she was drawn here and there with all the serving that she felt that was needed. Now let's be honest with ourselves. You can imagine yourself doing that, right? Jesus Christ has come into your home, and he has brought his disciples with him, and he's probably weary from his travels, and you can see the dust on his feet, and you can see the wear and tear from traveling along the road to Jerusalem. Your natural response is to serve 
him. And think about what you would do if this was your home today. You might begin by making tea and putting it out for everyone. Or asking if it's the right temperature, if they're too cold or too hot. You would start preparing a lunch or dinner depending on the time of a day. You might put out a tray of hors d'oeuvres. Or if you're like me, you would probably be rushing around the house quickly to hide all the clutter that you forgot to clean up the day before. And why do you do all this? You do all this because you know you have such a noble guest with you. And that's what Martha was doing. However, Luke describes her in this moment as being distracted in all of this. Her mind is distracted from what she should be focused on in this moment. And with this being contrasted with Mary's choice to sit at the feet of Jesus, we're to see that Martha is being distracted from what she needed, Jesus Christ. And we see more about Martha in verses 40 and 41. We see that Martha was worried by unnecessary things. And pick up at the end of verse 40 through verse 41. And she, Martha, went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You see, the action that started out probably as a well-intentioned desire to serve Christ became a distraction, and it turned into a disgruntled disposition towards her sister and a desire for Jesus to rebuke Mary. And Luke contrasts this response of Martha with Jesus' response to her. I want you to notice how kind Jesus is and how gentle he is with her. It's like he looks at her calmly in the eye with a sincere love and says, Oh, Martha, you are worried about so many things. Just look at your heart right now. It's anxious and troubled by many things. Why are you so worried about these things? Have you ever had moments like this? You are working tirelessly to serve others. You start out with a desire to bless, but as the stress weighs you down, you become anxious and you become troubled about the many little things that come up along the way. Maybe you are serving and you begin to get disgruntled with those around you who are not serving with you or serving as much as you are. And then in a moment, it's as though Jesus reminds your heart, my heart, oh Ben, you are anxious and troubled about so many things. Many things that we see are ultimately not necessary as we look at the final contrast that he gives in verses 41 and 42. I want you to notice that he contrasts Martha's worries about many things with the one thing Mary chose, showing that Mary chose the necessary portion. Just look at the flow of these two verses, verses 41 and 42. Martha comes to Jesus and the Lord answers her, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. 
Church, those are some of the most piercing words from my heart. One thing is necessary. If you hear the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ say, one thing is necessary, you stop and you say, what is that one thing? Continue in verse 42. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So that one thing necessary is the portion that Mary chose. Now, what is that portion that she chose? Well, the portion she chose was being discipled by and being fed by the very words and presence of Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus entered the house, Mary's immediate choice was to sit down at his feet. We saw the same response from the man delivered from the legion of demons in Luke 8.35. He was found where? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then he goes on to beg Jesus to remain with him. He longed to be with Jesus. The posture here is such that Mary was acknowledging the authority of Jesus Christ and declaring a desire to be discipled by him, to be taught by him, to learn from him. Luke also records that she listened to him. And interestingly enough, it's the same word that God used from the cloud at the transfiguration of Jesus when he tells Peter, James, and John to listen to Jesus Christ. It signifies an active and a continual listening. So do you see Mary chose the portion of fellowship with Christ, of being with him, of receiving from him. Now one commentator suggests that what Jesus says may be traced to a play on ideas. He says it's as though Martha was concerned with preparing many dishes for Jesus, but Jesus says only one would be necessary. And Mary chose the best dish. A dish that Jesus says cannot be taken away from her. Church, do you see that? The portion that Mary chose can never be taken away from her. The presence of Jesus Christ, his teaching, his life that he provides to us can never be taken away. You see, I think Mary knew her Lord, and she knew the grace that he provided. And Jesus says that she chose the necessary portion that will not be taken away from her. It's a powerful story. And as we look at the contrast of Martha and Mary, especially in light of what we have been learning up to this point in Luke's gospel, I see three important truths for us to learn from this story. The first one is that service can easily become a distraction from what is necessary. Notice that the contrast comes to a point of comparing Martha being distracted, anxious, and troubled to Mary choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus. I think it's important to clarify that Martha's service is not shown as wrong here. We are called to serve and love others. In fact, that's what Jesus has been calling us to up to this point. But it's the fact that Martha's service in this moment distracted her from what was necessary for her, from what was needed. And we're all tempted in this way. I know I am. We may see the needs of the church or the harvest in need of laborers, 
And we think that we need to go out and do all we can to fill that need. And so we move forward in that service. But somewhere along the way, we allow ourselves to become distracted from what we need the most, and that is to be satisfied by Jesus. I think one of the more subtle implications of this passage is that often we think something needs to be done that doesn't need to be done at all. The Apostle Paul gives one of the most profound statements in Acts 17, 24 through 25. And if you've never heard this, listen carefully. He says this, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, and get this, nor is he served by human hands as though he needs, needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You see, I think what Martha was ultimately distracted from is realizing who she was with. Church, she was with the God who is not served by human hands as though he needs anything. But instead, she was with the God who gives to her life and breath and everything that she needs. Whenever we serve, we need to fight the temptation of our minds to say we are ever supplying God with anything that he needs. The reality of what happens in our service is that God is filling us up. We are receiving from God in our service if we're doing it the right way. We are receiving grace and joy from being involved in God's work. And sometimes we need to recognize the most that what we are so anxiously working towards is what is not really needed at all. This is where the passage hits home the most for me in my heart. See, I love the church. I love serving the church. And I get great joy from fulfilling my calling among you. But I was reminded this past week as the word just pierces into my heart that I can sometimes become so easily distracted by the things that I need to get done that I forget what is necessary. I can get distracted by all the ministry around me that I forget to stop and slow down and be with Jesus. This passage is showing us that we are always, always in need of grace. And we need to recognize that service can become a distraction from what is necessary. Now this brings me to the second truth of this passage. And that is that Jesus himself is the necessary portion we all need. Do you see how the spotlight of this passage shines on the choice Mary made to be with Jesus? It's described as the one necessary thing. It's described as the good portion. Mary saw the beauty and the majesty of Jesus in a way that we all should. And in this moment, she chose to sit at his feet and be refreshed by him. So let me ask you, do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus as the necessary portion of your life? I was struck by this in relationship to last week's passage. Last week, we read of Jesus saying a lawyer was correct in pronouncing that a true and full love for God and a love for our neighbor was what was necessary to enter the kingdom. 
And if you're like our home group, you recognize to a great degree we cannot do this on our own. I think it's as though Luke is kind of bringing this in to say through Jesus, yes, it is impossible to do that on your own, but you can with Jesus. He can fill you. He is the portion that you need. And he will fill you as you come to him and you will be able to carry out these kinds of commands. See, being refreshed by him is how you find what you need. An English hymn writer, Francis Ridley Havergal, who wrote the hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be, wrote this. Nor can the vain toils cease till in the shadowy maze of life we meet one who can guide our aching wayward feet to find himself our way, our life, our peace. In him the long unrest is soothed and stilled. Our hearts are filled. You see, we can toil in vain all we want, but we need Jesus to fill us. We need him to guide our aching, wayward feet. And the beautiful thing is that though this life continues to be filled with toil and striving, we are promised that we have a Savior who meets us in those needs and fills us with everything we need to make it through this life. So as I've been thinking about this passage, I've been reminded that I should never forget my need to go back consistently and be refreshed by Jesus, to lean on his grace to provide, to go to him as the one thing that will satisfy my every need. And church, to do this is to consistently run to the Bible to hear the words of Jesus. I thought about it. Martha in this moment was so enthralled by Jesus' teaching, one little small portion of teaching in this moment, that she stopped everything she was doing to sit at his feet and listen to it. And church, the reality is, this book, the Bible, is filled with the words of Jesus. Because the disciples were carried along by the Spirit, we can know that the New Testament is ultimately the teaching of Jesus. Because Jesus was God in the flesh, we know that the Old Testament is ultimately the teaching of Jesus. Think about how much teaching you can have any moment you desire it. At any moment, it's even on our phones these days, at any moment you can sit down at the feet of Jesus and you can be refreshed from him. Church, do you grow weary? And sit at the feet of Jesus and be refreshed by him. Maybe what you need to hear the most this morning is that Jesus is the necessary portion for you. None of the other things that you think will satisfy your heart will ever do that, but Jesus will. Now, I think I could end here. It's just let us wrestle with that. But I think there's one more thing that Luke wants to draw out from this passage. And I believe it's that receiving grace from Christ must always precede our service. So as I've thought about where this story is placed in Luke's gospel, I see it drawing our attention to our need to receive grace from Christ in order to carry out the commands that he calls us to follow. 
just think again about everything we've heard over the past several weeks. In the middle of chapter 9, after Peter proclaims that Jesus is the Christ, we hear Jesus call anyone who would come after him to take up their cross daily and follow him. And then at the end of chapter 9, in verse 62, we're told that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you feel the weight of those words? But it keeps going. Next, we read about how Jesus sent out 72 disciples to proclaim the kingdom, but how there was a need for more laborers even before they were sent out. And then right before this, we hear the call to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our strength, and with all of our minds, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. All culminating in this parable of the Good Samaritan, where we see an amazing, sacrificial, merciful love for even one's enemies. All of these things require doing something. And we are called to do something. We are called to love in this way. But I think Luke brings in this story is almost to say, yes, but don't ever forget that one thing is necessary. To be with Jesus and to be fed by him. Church, don't ever be mistaken in thinking that this life is mainly about what you do for Christ. But rather, this life is mostly about what we receive from Christ. He has done everything. He supplies us with the strength that we need to fulfill the commands of God. That's why we need to be with Him and be fed by Him. You see, receiving grace from Christ should precede any act of service, any act of love for your neighbor. Anything that you do should be preceded by receiving from Christ the strength that you need to walk through it. 1 Peter 4.11 says this, Whoever serves should serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul talks about how he worked harder than the rest of the disciples, but he says this, It was not I, rather it was the grace of God working through me. Everything that you need comes from Jesus. Even the strengths to follow his commands comes from him. So we need to seek to be with Christ, to be fed by him, to receive from him before we seek to carry out these commands that he is calling us to do. So I thought of one practical, real, tangible thing to do from this passage. Anytime you are about to head into a moment of service, maybe it's before a Saturday morning or a Friday morning, if we ever get back to, to those at the Radisson, or maybe you're feeding people that have needs, or maybe you're taking somebody, stop before you go. Open your Bible and say, Jesus, I need to be fed by you before I can walk through this. So that when you walk through that act of service, you are relying on the strength that God provides. So I just challenge you, just, just do that. Do that for a week, do that for a month. And just see how it transforms your heart. We should always prioritize time to be with our Savior. To pursue the necessary good portion. And to receive the grace that we need.
As we close, I ran across a poem written by an unknown author that kind of sums up this whole story. This is how the poem reads. Martha in the kitchen, serving with her hands, occupied for Jesus with her pots and pans, loving him, yet fevered, burdened to the brim, careful, troubled Martha, occupied for him. Mary on the footstool, eyes upon the Lord, occupied with Jesus, drinking in his word. This one thing was needful, all else strangely dim, loving, resting Mary, occupied with him. So may we, like Mary, choose the better part, resting in his presence, hands and feet and heart, drinking in his wisdom, strengthened by his grace, waiting for the summons, eyes upon his face. When it comes, we're ready, spirit, will, and nerve, Mary's heart to worship, Martha's hand to serve. This the rightful order, our lamps we trim, occupied with Jesus, then occupied for him. I think the exhortation is very simple for this passage, is recognize that you have a need for Jesus to fill you. See him as the good portion and continue to turn to him daily to fill you with what you need. And be careful not to let your service become a distraction from what is necessary. Yes, be a good and faithful servant, but do so relying on the strength that God supplies, seeking to be filled over and over by the fountain of living water as you go and love and serve. Will you stand with me as I pray this over us? Our Father in heaven, you say that your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. I pray, God, that you will shine the truth of your word into our hearts this morning, that you will challenge us from this story to be reminded that Jesus is our necessary portion, to seek to be with him, to be fed by him, to be filled by him, and then to go out as laborers into the harvest, and then to go out as those who love our neighbors as ourselves, and then to go out as those who put our hand to the plow and never look back. God, we recognize our need for you. We need you to be everything for us, to satisfy our hearts with your presence, to fill us with your love and your grace and your mercy. So we ask that you would do that this morning through your word. Would you fill us? We pray these things in the name of Jesus.